Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. Hey everyone, it's me, Kirsten Franklin, and I'm super excited to be able to bring you this offer. Uh, As many of you know, I've spent the last 10 years studying human behavior, the psychology of high performers, writing, coaching, training, right? Literally at the top levels on topics such as motivation, focus, productivity, confidence, overcoming fears, leadership, and so much more. I was really inspired by my own personal journey. As some of you might know, I went from being a homeless single parent, turned into a parent overworking, right? 16-hour days plus weekends and really turning it all around in about two months and working a four-hour day, no weekends, really learning how to build a profitable business that doesn't require me to be in it every day, and it was really incredible. The change was amazing. I was able to help you know, more people while making more money and yet having more time, more than enough time to spend with friends and family and do what I wanted. Um, and my goal is to really help you do the same. I don't just teach you what worked for me, but what's worked for hundreds of my clients. And I'm opening up right now my weekly coaching group to all of you. Now, this is only for the people here in either Thrive Tribe or who follow my podcast. Okay. Um, The seats are limited. I only have 50 seats open. That's between both groups. So once they're full, they're full. And that's not a marketing ploy. I'm just letting you know ahead of time so that you can make your decision from your highest and best self what's right for you. Okay. Right now, I'm only charging $150 per month. Google. It's unheard of. Nowhere will you get four hourly or more sessions a month for $150 total, okay? Most of the lowest end coaches charge $150 an hour, okay? You guys know I don't play in that space. I charge $3,000 an hour. So if you are wanting to work with me and you have always felt like you couldn't afford it, this is your chance. And it will likely move quickly because again, there's only 50 seats in there, okay? So if you wanna go to another level in your personal development, your business, your life this month, Be sure to join me live weekly in my coaching program. And again, this is live and it's weekly, right? This is not something where you're going to go buy a video, stare at it, and maybe take action. This is live and it's weekly and it's small group so that you get your opportunity to be heard and have your your questions answered, okay? And I know you know that expert guidance, real consistency, and inspiring community are critical to your growth. So this is your chance to work with me live every week. And because you're a part of this group, you're getting it at a fraction of the cost. If you're part of the group or you're following the podcast, all right? And you know, if you're really looking to enter 2021 as that 2.0 version of yourself, right? That kick butt, unfuckwithable version of you and your business, right? Then it's time to level up. Take back your year. Take back your business. Take back your life. Find that focus. Gain that confidence. Get that high level of productivity set in there and really feel what it feels like to live a high vibrational life. Go to the link below and let me be your coach and I would be super excited to see you on the inside. 
Guys, welcome. On this week's episode, we have a fabulous author, nurse, Christian, and mother of two. She's been working as an urgent care nurse during the COVID-19 pandemic, and she is an incredible talent in the literary world of fiction. Absolutely rising talent. You're going to hear her name in the future. She actually just released her debut novel. It's called The Breaking Point. I read it yesterday. You will want to read this novel. I did cry. Um, <laughs> in this novel, she, <laughs> she brings to light the very real and potentially deadly situation of domestic violence. And having had her own past experiences with domestic violence, she hopes to bring you know, light and awareness to this issue, which many of you may not know has been steadily on the rise uh, since the international onset of COVID-19 and all the quarantining. Okay. Um, so guys, please welcome author Cece Reeves. Welcome, Cece. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate the opportunity. I love it. I love it. I'm really excited to talk to you for so many different reasons. Okay. <laughs> so obviously we have you here and you're an urgent care nurse. So that has to be interesting in and of itself. Talk to me yes. how that has been for you. Yeah. It's been quite a very challenging time, as you can imagine. You know, I became a nurse last year. I passed my boards last year. And uh, when I got my license, maybe like two months later, I was put in an urgent care position. And I started that position uh, about a month after COVID started. So it was pretty extreme uh adventure for me to go in, uh, you know, doing what I love to do, you know, because before being a nurse, um, becoming a nurse, I was a medical assistant for a couple of years in a GI world. So just going from a GI world to urgent care medicine, um, which I absolutely love, you know, it's just been quite a challenging time with COVID on the rise. Yeah, that's got to be crazy. Talk about getting thrown right into the fire, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, I'm seeing, you know, uh, more and more, even though I'm seeing more and more cases of COVID, you know, we're doing our best to educate people, um, our patients, you know, to stay safe and, you know, be responsible wearing their masks. Um, so, you know, we're hoping that we can tackle this ahead with the vaccine now out. You know, we're just hoping that this will become, you know, better for people out here in quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about safety because this kind of lends itself to a part of what's in your book, right? So the breaking point. Why don't you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what the book is about? So the breaking point is about a young woman uh, suffering in domestic violent relationship with her husband. Um, she's been married to him for a couple of years now, and uh, she's trying to summon the courage and the strength to leave her husband behind. But there's so many factors which domestic violence victims face sometimes um, financial reasons that they can't leave their abuser, um, you know, manipulation techniques that uh, the abuser uses, basically your self-worth, you're not, you don't think that you deserve better. Um, so Kristen goes through all these challenges and emotions through this book. Um, and, you know, she's hit with some curveballs and challenges along the way of getting to a point where she's absolutely just had it and she wants to do better and she wants a better life. So it's all about her journey, you know, her domestic violence relationship with her husband, Jake, and um, just how she comes and evolves into being the heroine of her own story. 
So it's, it's a pretty good read. You know, um, a lot of people will see the graphic nature of domestic violence, especially in the very beginning, you know, um, the truth of what it is. It's not, uh, you know, it's not sugarcoated at all. The experiences are very real. Some of them have been inspired by, you know, experiences that I've gone through. Uh, while the plot is fictional, you know, I've put a lot in of myself in that book, um, you know, to try to bring forth, to help people understand better what it is like to be a domestic violence victim. So it's all about that change. And, uh, you know, you've, you will find yourself rooting for Kristen along the journey, you know, you know, you know, you're cheering for her when she makes it towards the end. So, you know, it's a lot of different emotions that the reader will experience, but very inspirational at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's so good that I actually sat down and read it in about three and a half hours yesterday. Wow. (laughs) That's fantastic. I actually pushed somebody off and I was like, do I speak to this person or do I just finish this? And I was like, I'm just going to finish this. And of course it's right before this very uh, poignant moment that happens. So of course then I'm like crying and I'm like, Oh, so so I was like, yeah, I have to finish it. Right. Like I couldn't. That is great. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good one. So here's the thing. Like here we have COVID-19 for, mm-hmm. for many different reasons, obviously, domestic violence. And this is, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman right. or trans or, you know, non-binary. Right. I don't care. It happens. It's a human mm-hmm. thing. We're not even going to go into where that comes from. But what can we do about it? I mean, beyond the difficulty in, one, acknowledging it. Two, understanding that there actually might be an out that you can take because that's very difficult. And I do love how the novel puts forth the difficult nature of that, right? Mm -hmm. Many, many times you're put in a a position where you don't manage your own finances. You have no control over the money. You might like, you know, in this case, you might not have a phone, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. so many different things happen. So once, you know, with all that's going on, now you add COVID. Like, you know, you can't leave your house the facilities or shelters might be full or there might not be enough people on those phone lines to receive you. What does one do in a situation like this? You know, with with the COVID pandemic, it's really, you've seen the increase globally, not just in the U.S., but China has actually tripled in the increase of domestic violence incidents reported. I think France up by 30%. The U.S., you know, we're seeing not a spike in phone calls, and that's only due to the fact that, you know, people are not reaching out um, enough because they don't have access to their phone, like you were just saying. You know, with healthcare visits, I think that the the health practitioners need to be more aware and screen better for intimate partner violence, especially child abuse. The resources that are out there, we have to educate people that they're not alone, that there are resources out there, there are hotlines. You know, it's just a a time where, you know, friends need to get involved. You know, if you see somebody that you know is being abused, don't, you know, guide them gently towards the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, Put them in touch with resources that they're able to. If you know somebody that needs a phone and, you know, you're able to spend time with them a little at a time, you know, give them the advice that you can to help them know that they are worth, you know, their life is worth it and their family's life is worth it, you know, to, so it's all about people also getting involved, not just the victim getting involved and getting the help that they need, but also families of the victim. I, I lost my cousins and uh, my aunt to domestic violence back uh, when I was 14 years old, they were murdered. 
um, brutally by their father. So it hits home to me, this topic of domestic violence, where, you know, I am want to advocate so much for the public to be informed of how they can help others, you know, and how they can just not just sit back and be quiet about it when you see somebody is in need of the support, you know, but also letting the victims know that they're not alone, that there is help, there are resources out there to get through, educating them how to find out even before they get into a relationship, what are the ones to look out for, you know, so that they don't get so, you know, deep into a relationship where it becomes emotionally abusive, because I believe the emotional abuse precedes the physical abuse, you know, before that physical abuse starts. That's where I found myself, where the user is kind of breaking you down mentally and making you think that this is what you deserve, that, you know, and tearing away at your self-esteem and your confidence. And so, you know, these are warning signs and there's some great books out there. Um, I know that there was one that I was, you know, did some research, it was called Stop Stop Signs uh, by Lynn Fairweather, How to Recognize Emotional Abuse, you know, like a uh, typical abusive pattern, red flags, like, uh, you know, your partner trying to isolate you from friends and family and support, love bombing, uh, you know, yeah. the calling I, I remember when I was in a domestic violent relationship you know my um and this is actually one of the one of the nicknames that uh, one of the characters uses towards Kristen uh, was my abuser would call me McFly hello McFly like what's going on? You know, so it was kind of demeaning and you know at first I was like how do I make my abuser feel better you know and it was all about centering my world around him what can I do to please him you know and just losing myself in this process so, you know, that's other things that we can do It's education, you know, sitting down with our children, especially when they're in the teen years and they're about to go out there and date in the dating world, how to show them what real love is. It's, it's beautiful. It's kind, it's empathetic. It's not controlling, you know, not manipulative. So doing that, doing those things can help people. Yeah. But now let's take this back a notch to mm-hmm. a little bit of reality in the sense right. of, we come from that space, meaning we as humans, right? From where, what we have seen, what we have witnessed, yes. how we feel about ourselves. Uh-huh. Like if someone fucking called me McFly and it wasn't like a joke, <laughs> someone would be getting McSlapped in their face, right? Yeah. Like I'd be like, love right. Dick. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But that's me, right? Yeah. I come from a different place or at least right. I've built up to a different place. Right. So it's really, you know, and how do we do this when we have young kids who won? Justin, you know, even if our, our home life is good and it's solid, they uh-huh. still can interpret things the way, however they interpret them. You know, yeah. if you get in an argument with your child, they're not going to run out and tell their friends because it's almost immediately socially unacceptable. Right. Uh-huh. And it's very uh-huh. interesting, especially for girls. Like I know that if I argue with Annalise, like even if I just even raise my voice in the slightest, she will like mute the phone, throw it in the, I'm on the phone. You can't just, someone could <laughs> hear you. Right. And it's like, all right, dude, I was just right. saying, do your rabbits. Like, you right, know, right, right, and right. So, I mean, it's almost like natural. It's almost like, like our native go-to response to be like, it's supposed to be this norm. It doesn't fit. Hide it. So, right. so what do we do about that? I mean, how do we how do we teach young people how to act, behave, feel, help them feel, learn how to do this when we have ourselves don't even demonstrate it? I don't know. You know, we have to get them to a place where they feel confident in themselves. We have to build them up. You know, um, we have to show better parenting techniques. You know, especially with COVID just thrown into the midst of it. Yeah. 
parents are stressed out, you know, along with this whole COVID thing where they're losing their jobs. So stress induced are predictor of how they're going to respond to their children when they're dealt with certain challenging situations. So they may lash out aggressively, you know, so, you know, we have to make our children to feel comfortable in a way that they can come to us and they can express to us their concerns or, you know, show them what love is, you know, only lead by example. That's the best that we can do is build them up, build their self-confidence up, show them uh, videos. You know, we're in a social media world. So everything is social media. Everything is, about, you know, my child, I have a 12 year old and instead of reading a book, she wants to see the movie when she has an assignment. So we have to have movies that, you know, talk to people in, you know, the production world, the video production world about putting things out that kind of bring people up and lift their spirits are inspirational be giving them more inspirational reads to look at, you know, it's changing our mindset and it's one thing at a time. We have to do this a little bit at a time. It's not going to change overnight the way that we grew up with our parents and uh, you know, what we've seen kind of precursors, what is going to happen in the relationships that we form with other people. If we see that it was acceptable back then of how a man treated a woman and the woman was submissive and the man, the culture was like the authoritative, you know, perspective. And uh, we would have to see and change that with, okay, women are men are equal. We have to show how we respect the women in a relationship. And that goes with the men with their daughters and the men with their sons, you know, teach how to be a loving individual. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit how, since you have gone through this process, Mm -hmm. you know, once you're able to leave, how do you, how do you go about even rebuilding your life? It's challenging. It's really hard. You know, through that time when I left my relationship, I was questioning myself, did I do the right thing? Um, Now I'm alone. I don't have anybody. I saw these healthy relationships with my cousins and my family, and I felt like I failed. And, you know, questioning myself, like I'm alone here and I left this person. Yes, I know he treated me horribly, but there was a part of me that wanted to go back. And I, it was because that was my norm for so long. I felt years and that became my normal so it was challenging and the way I dealt with it was I had a great support system I talked a lot I exercised I found things that helped lift my spirits up you know I turned to prayer which you know God has been a major driving force for me you know turning to my faith in the time that I needed him you know he never failed me he helped me leave an abusive situation and brought me to where I am today to be able to speak to you and help share this encouraging message, you know, that you can have a better life, you know. And when I left, finally, I felt like this huge weight off my shoulder. I was no longer having to walk around on eggshells, worrying that my um, person, the person that I was with was going to blow up at me or blame me for everything that went wrong in his life. You know, I can remember a time where I had, you know, I did some acting in the past. And when I landed my first off uh, Broadway theater uh, role, I was like, guess what, babe? I just got this role, blah, blah, blah. And his response to me wasn't encouraging or supportive at all. It was, you want me to do cartwheels? What do you expect? You do wheels for you? So, I mean, it was so my norm to be abused and, and, and experience that, that like I was doubting myself when I first come, when I first came out of the relationship. So it takes a long time, but you know, it's possible to get to a place where you are in a recovery stage, you are healing, you are able to move forward in another relationship that's loving and that's wonderful. You know, um, so I know that some people will say, well, I'm not ready to leave. You know, what happens when I leave or I can't economically 
survive on my own. So, you know, there's some tips that I was given um, from other people and counselors was like, try to put some money aside, you know, if you can, if you can get some resources from family or friends and just kind of start building a little savings a little bit at a time. Um, there's wonderful toolkits on domesticshelters.org, which is a great uh, you know, uh, informational base for domestic violence victims that you can pull from of how to leave safely, you know, what can I do in terms of getting prepared to leave that relationship, you know, um, in terms of like reaching out for legal help, you know, how to document the uh, abuse, you know, there's so many great resources that you can pull from that website. Um, so, you know, it, it is challenging and it is scary um, I'm not going to, you know, say it's easy because it is definitely not. You have to get some good therapy, you know, go to counseling. I know nobody likes to hear the word. Uh, I got to get counseling, but it really helped get to a place where I felt that I was worth more, you know, because when you're in that relationship, you kind of feel that you're not worth more. And so that's the kind of manipulation that the abuser has done to you and broken you down so much that you feel like this is it. This is all I can do, you know, and, but you can do better, you know, and, and God wants better for you. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you do talk about that in the book about documentation and the law is not initially on Kristen's mm-hmm. side. And by the way, guys, yeah. Kristen is the main character of the book. So we keep calling Kristen and people are like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> and, and there are situations where you live in a town where the abuser, be it, you know, male or female has all these friends and is so connected. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. you feel like you can't go somewhere. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. very real. It's Mm -hmm. very real. I mean, look at, you know, it it actually brought to memory for me of what just happened with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Right. And she was lucky and fortunate enough to start documenting things. Mm -hmm. She's Mm -hmm. a very intelligent woman, but I mean, when, when she steps out, what happens? the housekeepers and shit that live there every day were saying shit about her, right? She's mean. She did it to herself. Like, yeah, she gave herself a black eye because she just wants to, she did it 17 times just because Mm -hmm. she, come on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was, it's incredible. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it really does happen. And it was, it was just eerie when she was going through that. I was like, oh, that's immediately who popped in my head was Amber Heard. I'm like, damn. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's so sad that it is, it is the way of, you know, thinking where you have somebody who's a celebrity or somebody who's well known in the community and you find out these things about them. There people are always going to jump on the person that's making these accusations, you know, oh, it's not true. She's making up these lies, you know, just even speaking about the relationship that I was and I know family that I've, you know, kept in good friends with that were his family, you know, are probably going to be shocked, you know, that I'm coming forward and speaking about it. But it's something that you can't hold back and you can't keep quiet. It's it's not a, a topic, although it's, you know, been considered taboo to talk about in so many families and cultures. You know, it is a definite pressing concern, especially with COVID on the rise, especially yeah with, you know, the victims having to be quarantined with their abusers that people need to know about. And it's not something that can be, you know, put the lid on it, keep quiet about anymore, have to talk about it. Right. And, and, you know, just the whole situation of COVID, I mean, I don't care if it's child abuse, I don't care Mm -hmm. if it's suicide, I don't care if it's spousal abuse, whatever it is, it could even be animal abuse to your pets. If you're really, if you're really that 
in your head like that, right? Exactly. Um, absolutely been increasing. I mean, as we see in Japan, the suicide rate is massive, yeah. Yeah. right? And I promise you in a city like New York, if people don't have the escape, because it is not too dissimilar from Japan where we have small space, people live, you know, in their tiny apartments and they go outside to communicate and to, right. to do things. And now they're stuck alone by right. themselves, right? Going mental. Yeah. Only, only so many uh, Netflix things out there to watch. I know. <laughs> and I can't even tell you how many just being uh, being a nurse in this pandemic have encountered so many teachers that have told me, you know, we've tried to get in touch with these children who are on remote learning, who are no longer logging in. And I'm like, well, what do you do? Well, we just got to keep calling. We have to keep calling. But that's not enough. And the, the, the sad truth is with their resources are kind of minimalized, you know, um, shelters are, you know, functioning at half capacity. They're not able to take in as many. So that was another resource that's kind of like wiping out, you know, fading out. Um, then you have another thing where, you know, people are not able to do home visits and, and that really needs to be done, you know? Um, so these things, we need to work with law enforcement. We need to work with these, uh, people who are in social work to help them do their job and, you know, do whatever we can to like advocate for our victims because they don't have that access that they needed and that they had before COVID, you know, had, you know, they're not able to go to their counseling visits or their group session, you know, and so it's just something to think about. It definitely is. Yeah. When this comes out on the other end within the next 12 months or slightly longer, you know, figuring uh-huh. the rollout of the vaccine and how that happens, hopefully right. in this country. <laughs> <laughs> We have the non-believers, the non-vaccinators, the it's going to yes. kill us. And yeah, listen, yes. I don't blame you. I'm not judging it, but I'm just thinking, okay, timeline. How yeah. will this work? When will it go? Yeah. Right? I'm just thinking, hmm, it seems okay, like so it's, it's never going to end. Yeah. Yeah. Logistically, everyone's like, it's going to be three months. I'm like, no, there's just enough to get our first responders done and some old people. Right. And who's next? with the next batch, right? Then what's going to happen, right? So I'm thinking it's going to be a while, people. Um, It is. It's definitely going to be a while. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, I mean, we're going to be kind of captured for probably another, you know, nine months, 12 months. Oh, yeah. I would say at least that. Yeah. And the job market isn't going to get better. It's going to create more stress. So here's my thing. Here's my question. What are some of the really minor things that we can look out for in a relationship before we get too deep because you know you had mentioned earlier it's almost mm-hmm. like narcissistic personality disorder right love bombing the usage that it's it's genius <laughs> in some way because it's that usage of language that slowly flips that all of a sudden crushes you without knowing it, you know, it just takes you away piece by piece. And all of a sudden it's your fault. So like, I mean, I know one of the things I would notice about someone in conversation, just in conversation is to see if they take accountability for some of the things that Mm -hmm. they talk about. Right. If they're always blaming like, Oh my God, my, my dog did this, my mom did this, dude, red flag, dude. Yeah. Red flag. Okay. I mean, if you're 18, maybe not so much, but you're still a blamer, right? You're still Mm -hmm. in that place where it's not going to get much better until you take Mm -hmm. accountability, right? But what are some of the things that we can, you know, the subtle things now that you're out of it. And now that you look back, you say to yourself, oh, I didn't that I noticed that now, but I didn't really notice that in the moment. What are some of those things? Um, In the beginning uh, what I thought was cute was jealousy. Um, in the oh, beginning, yeah. <laughs> he really love me um, because he's always checking up on me. He's always calling me, sending me so many texts. Um, so the jealousy definitely is a big one. The possessiveness, 
the, the mind games where, you know, I just want to spend time. If you want to spend time with your friends, well, why can't you spend time with your friends next week? This should be just between you. Mm. So little by little, that's how your partner starts to isolate you. Oh, you always have time with, you know, to spend time with them. It's just taking you away from your family and your friends. So isolation, definitely the feeling like, you know, when he does something like if he's involved in like, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol, um, you know, he has an alcohol addiction. Well, you're the reason why I'm drinking. You're the reason I never drink until I have an argument with you. And then you're the one that causes me out to go reach for a bottle. So the blame game, you know, I call it the blame game. Um, the feeling like you're walking on eggshells, you know, you're afraid that they're going to just explode any minute. You know, um, you're trying so hard to change your appearance to make them feel better. Their crit their criticism, it comes as a joke sometimes, but then it starts to increase, you know, little things like that, you know, to look out for, I would say. Yeah. They're kind of the minor subtle things I would say. Yeah. And it just, it is subtle. And then yeah. and all of a sudden you're at this whole other end of the spectrum and you don't know how and you you're got so there. deep. Exactly. Yep. And you don't yep. know how you got there. And then you also don't, it's an embarrassing situation to be in like with the character, Kristen for so long, she doesn't want to admit to herself that she's a battered woman. Um, she's in a, in a battered relationship. The stereotype itself, it's like, that's not me. That can't be me. You know, you're looking at yourself. That can't be me. And while other people, look, you really need to take a look at this. No, you, you know, the one big person in my life um, that would tell me like this relationship is not for you was my mother. So listening to your parents and, you know, they can spot in a mile away, even when you can't, this person is not for you. This relationship is not for you. And you want to prove to them and you want to rebel against what they're saying, especially younger um, women, you know, who are teenagers in their early twenties. They don't know what they're talking about. They're living in the old age, but they can see things that you can't, you know, they know you and they love you and they want to see you do well. And that was one of the things that I always battled with my mom was like, but I love him and he loves me. And I had to take a long, hard look after I had and realized that this was not love. This was, you know, him trying to live his life through me, um, trying to get me and tear me down to make himself feel better because, you know, him himself had experienced certain things in his, uh, in his youth and his, in his childhood that he grew up with and how he saw his father treat his, um, you know, wives and, and, and other women. So it's the abusive is, is, is a cycle. It's a pattern, yeah. you know, and it, it will come full circle. So you have to look out for that. Yeah. 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 Oh, the mom thing. See, I'm a mom. Yeah. So I have a 12 year old daughter <laughs> as well. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's at that age where you can't say anything anyway, cause you're all wrong and you know nothing. So I'm like, okay. yes, exactly. I'm like, let me just let that ride because one day, <laughs> one day I just might be right. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, how would you want to leave this conversation? What would be the th big thing that you would want to get out there, you know, uh, for, for the listeners in, in any situation? And for, for, for any listener, you know, I would say, you know, pick up this book. It's a great read. And you, you, even if you're not in a domestic violence relationship, it's a lot of to do with healing, forgiveness, going through, uh, you know, involving, um, reaching your breaking point. And that's the title of the book. It's the breaking point. And everybody has one. And it's a point where you're either going to give up um, or you're going to press forward. 
And people will experience that in life through their health, in, in relationships, in their jobs. They'll, they will eventually reach a breaking point. So it's all about being inspired to press forward and not to give up. And, you know, so anybody who reads this book can benefit from this. And, you know, domestic violence, they will feel encouraged and inspired that they have a second chance. They do have a chance at having a better life than the one they're in right now. So, you know, it's for everybody. Yeah. And I second that because I have not been in a domestically violent relationship. I love <laughs> the book. So. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank too you. much of a bitch. No one would with me. <laughs> I'm like, no! <laughs> uh, too much control. <laughs> Maybe I'm the one. <laughs> but that's yeah. what it does. It makes you take a look at yourself, too. Like, yeah. how change as a person um in your relationships and how your interactions can be so it well, it did a guy yeah it did that for me like just knowing that I'm raising a girl mm-hmm. even the subtle things if I if I flip that switch and you know we all get into blamey moments yes like, oh, you did that and now I'm like annoyed well mm-hmm. I, I actually brought me back at least like wait 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 whoa 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 Kirsten what are you doing because you're building her into a Kristen that one day is going to, you got to stop. Like, you know yes, what I mean? Exactly. Like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so it's a and really we're not good... perfect and no. we're not perfect. And we're going to do these things like that. You know, um, like being a Christian uh, for me is just knowing that you're not perfect, but you're going to come up through challenges and you just taking a step back and looking at what can I do differently? You know, especially if I'm a parent or I'm in a relationship or, you know, how can I make that person feel better and build them up? And, and that's all about, you know, being in a relationship, whether it's a mother or daughter, a father and son, um, two people who are in love or in a marriage, it's being able to be supportive of one another in that relationship. That, you know, so that's what, you know, I hope this book will encourage people to take a look at themselves and how they can change for the better. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you had mentioned, um, you know, when he said, what do you want me to do? Cartwheels? I would have been like, yeah. actually, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I would have been like, <laughs> now if you don't, we have to be done. I would have been like, mm, yeah, now that you mentioned it, go. Yeah. And you know, it's just so sad when I think back, I'm so much in a stronger position now. And I'm like, I can't believe that. Like I just sat there and, and you just realize that it's just a mental state that you're in. And you know, it's just that, that relationship that you're in that toxicity and just being engulfed in that and you you're not able to speak out but here you know in this book especially you can see that Kristen is evolving and becoming a stronger person you know during the journey and able to speak out and raise her voice and speak out against domestic violence so yeah and as shitty as the thing that happened to you I mean look at it you couldn't be the mother you are today right exactly different this book wouldn't come Mm -hmm. out helping hopefully thousands yep. of people in all different ways. I pray that it does. Right. Yep. You know, and so, yep. so it's really weird, but you know, sometimes we all go through shit and eventually we'll find the reason. Exactly. Right? So. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, everything got in God's plan, you know, what he had for me back then. And now I didn't even know about it. It wasn't even a glimmer in my eyes, but you know, it's just amazing how far I've come and I'm able to look back and say, you know what, I made it. And to my daughter the other day when we did the book launch, um, I said to her, we made it, baby. We made it, you know? And she she's like, yeah, mom, I'm so proud of you. And it's, that feels good. More than anything, it's when your children, your family are like, way to go, you know, cheers you on. And, and I love that, you know, and family is everything to me. So, you know, I'm very grateful and I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed to be in the position I'm in right now. Well, I've really appreciated having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank I'm you. so grateful to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you very much for having me on the show. And God bless you.
Absolutely. Same here. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course, you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.